0: Uh, good morning, Mariners Church. Thank you guys for being here. Um, you know, um, Mark and I—we work together quite well usually. Sometimes the length of songs, you know, versus the sermon, I have to cut stuff out because he keeps going on and on. That <laughs> happens once in a while. And and so, <laughs> what I want to say is, don't encourage him. I mean, don't don't, don't encourage him. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was great. I love I, I I love the word and and actually my the the few instructions I give to the worship team is I, I say this way I want the service to be so fulfilling and so complete that if I die before I get up here, people will say, "Man, that was a great service." You, you know that you have that chance to connect with God, experience God, feel the comfort and the strength of God. To say, "Well, God was glorified, God was honored," and 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 that 's that's enough, and that's that 's certainly enough hey i 'm really glad that you guys are here my name's paul i 'm one of the pastors here and if i haven 't had a chance to meet you yet i 'd love to meet you um, outside after after the service and thank you for 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 working with the parking situation. I really appreciate that and know it 's not that bad to walk you know it 's really not, considering as we prayed for last week, the persecuted church sometimes these people have to walk for miles to get the place, and so, hey, what's a, what's a little bit of walking, so it worked out really well. What's really cool is we're, we're praying, and thank you so much for praying for it, because, you know, our God has great plans, bigger, you know, his ways are not our, our ways, and what was kind of funny is, um, during the, the first service, the, 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 you know, the security guard, you know, since we were doing such a great job with security, she, she had nothing to do, so she came and sat in church, so the whole time, honestly. <laughs> And what's what's really what's really really cool about it is is the landlord of that building paid for her to come to church. So, <laughs> yeah. and and the and the, the driver of the big bus, the limo, is is coming around. We have we have a host that kind of one of our own people that's on the bus riding with her. You know. And she keeps talking to this woman about how she needs to get back into church. And the poor driver's going, I know, I know, I really, do. I really need do really really, got all this kind of stuff. And, and this is just because of this, you know? Isn't it amazing how God just works in the creases all the time, all, all, all the time on, on this one? And so it's really, really cool, um, all, all that's going on here. Hey, our theme for the year is Illuminate. We're talking about the whole concept in the term of of Illuminate, and we're calling it that really because of this great thing that the Bible says. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be illuminated, and that means actually flooded with light. The eyes of your heart will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he called. Now, see, it says eyes of your heart. Um, I I probably don't need to explain that if you're a Christ follower. You kind of get it. You All of a sudden you realize that when something of God happens, the eyes of your heart, kind of an inside thing, (laughs) pops open and you just say, wow, look at that. That's, That's amazing. And I can appreciate those kinds of things that God is doing. Something on the inside. Now, when the eyes of our heart are open, it gives us what? A confident hope. Boy, how many of us would not die for confident hope. And this is what happens when the eyes of our hearts are opened. We can have confident hope in who God is and what God is doing. And that whatever you're going through, no matter what it is, God will work it out in ways that we could never imagine and never even comprehend. And that's what I need. That's what I need. Particularly after this past week was not a stellar week for, for, for me. Now, one of the ways the eyes of our hearts are illuminated is from the Bible, and that's why we're going through, as a church family, what we're calling 40 Days in the Word. We are taking six weeks, 40 days, and saying we really want to focus our attention on Scripture, on the Bible, what it is, what it means, what it says, and how to get it in, in, into our lives. Now, now, the question is raised, and this is a, a, a good question, and your friends and your relatives, and maybe even you will, will raise this question— why do we even need the Bible to tell us about God? I mean, we got nature. Nature can tell us all about God. And how many people I've talked to to say, man, you know, nature is my God. You know, when I go out there in nature and I walk in on the beach and I, I see God, did you see the sunset on Friday night? Wow. You know, it's like, whoa, on this one where God just threw all the colors he wanted out, out there. And you could see the oranges and the fiery reds and the pinks and the grays and, 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 and the blue. It was just, it was, It was phenomenal. And, and you can actually get some stuff about God from nature. You can. You can really begin to comprehend some things about God. It's called, does anyone remember the term? It's called natural revelation, okay? Naturally, nature revealing God, natural revelation. And there are certain things that you can get about God from the natural revelation. In fact, the Bible itself says the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, the colors, the splendor, the majesty, the bigness, you know, the, the hugeness of God but it has a limit. The sunset does not tell me to love my neighbor as myself. You know that? Or does the sunset tell me how to turn the other cheek or how to make it through when a loved one dies suddenly? And the forest does not tell me how to have my wrongs being made right or anything about Jesus Christ. Nothing. It, do- it doesn't. It's silent on that. Only what's called special revelation can do that, and that would be the Bible, and that's the concept we have for the Bible. There's natural revelation, and then there's what we would call special revelation, is God specifically or specially reveals himself to us, and it is God specially revealing who he is and his plan for his creation that we live in, and so that would include us, and that would be the Bible. I read an article from Newsweek um, the other day, which didn't help my mood, didn't help my bad, bad mood anyway, and, and it was called this, it was actually the, 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 um, the title article, the cover article, and and it was titled this, The Bible So Misunderstood It's a Sin, okay? And it talks about the Bible, and, and and what it does is you read the article, it's going to reveal, or it's going to talk about how people really have no idea what the Bible is truly says, because after all, the Bible is nothing but an ancient document that's been translated and retranslated and retranslated and translated so many times that we have absolutely no concept what was originally wrote, written. And because of these things that happened in this age, it was politically motivated that the Bible was changed and modified by emperors or kings or, or, or people that just wanted to get their own agenda written. Now, now um It's all stuff I've heard before. You know, this is nothing new. And it's being written as if it is, like, holy cow, look at what all these wicked pastors have been hiding from their people all these years, you know, all these all these things. And actually I put a reference to it in your in your in your little handout sheet. There's a reference to it because I would like you to read it. Because honestly, if anyone reads Newsweek, which is several million people, you know, this is with the article that they read. And so obviously as you're beginning to talk to people about your love for God and how you found Jesus through the Bible. What's their attitude going to be towards it? Oh, you know, you don't really know what the Bible really is and what it's all about. We have to understand that because this is what your friends and your relatives and people that you interact with think about the Bible because this is the only input that they've been getting. Now, I've heard this stuff for years and years and years, and so Newsweek article that was only two years old is not anything new, even though they talk about it as if it was. Scholars have known these things or known about these theories for lots and lots of years. And there was a response, you know, course, my blood's boiling and all this kind of stuff. And there was a response. And Newsweek, to their credit, did publish the response to that. And it's by a guy named Michael Brown. And I also put down the link there so that you can see, actually, that there are not just answers to these incredible challenges, but these challenges are kind of really wimpy compared to that which scholars have known for 2,000 years. And the veracity, the truth of, of the Bible, the, 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 the proof tests of it, The archaeological evidence behind it, the real history behind it, apart from all the political stuff, it's a brilliant article written. And when you read it, you will say, um, wow, you know, there there, there really, really, really is truth to this. Otherwise, if you only read the first one, all you're going to do is just simply say, hey, how come Paul never told us about this kind of stuff, you know? And you'll read the second article and you'll realize that Christians are not just people that believe in a flat earth or that bury their head in the sand and don't tell me the facts or don't tell me the truth. That there are incredibly good reasons, in fact, better reasons to believe the truth of this thing than to disbelieve it. I did not simply just choose the Bible to escape the real world, you know. The Bible is a real world book written by real world people. And the logic and the philosophy and the thought and the archaeology and the proof text behind it, it makes it ironclad. The Bible says this. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and, and, and it'll teach us to do what is right. It's cool text right there. And because God breathed it, that's what the word inspired means, because God breathed it, it touches my life. Because God has changed my life and given me his spirit. And therefore there is that part of the eyes of my heart, you know, are are illuminated when I read the very words of God. I would think that the Bible is the best way to get to know God. As you interact with God through the very words that he connected with you, this is the best way I would find or I have found to get to know God. Worship's great and I love it and I connect with God through worship but i also connect with god reading the very words that he put down for me to read and and we have been if you've been going through the 40 d- days you know in in the word which has really been cool with all our life groups if you've been going through the 40 days in the word You've learned to read it, and you've learned to memorize it, and you've learned to space pet it, you know. And if you're going through the book, you know what that, <sighs> I hate that term, but, and to paraphrase it, you know. And, and, and this week we're going to talk even more about mem- memorizing it. And I, I honestly got to be honest with, 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 with you here. Growing up, I heard enough messages and sermons and teaching and people talking about how important it was to read the Bible. I heard that again and again and again. And I kinda treated it like the way I treat all those instructions to get more fiber into my diet. Okay? That's kind of the way I dealt with those kinds of things. I'd listen to it and I'd say, Yeah, I really do. You know, I really do need to, to, to do to do this. And and so maybe what I will do is I'll have a spinach smoothie, you know, the next day and then chew on some broccoli the next day and then buy a bag of carrots and, and, and bring those to work. But as far as getting more fiber into my diet, as it becoming part of me, it's just too hard, and it's just too inconvenient, you know, and so I'll kind of let that go a little bit, and then do a little bit more, but not much, until I hear another message on how important it is to get fiber in my diet, and then I'll do it all again, but then a couple of days later, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of let it go, you know, in regards to that, and I, and I, and I, and I want to say that I can give you great verses, And and you can look at them and you can say, wow, look at that, that's cool. And if you're going through the 40 days in the Word, the the passages that you've been looking at and reading, they're really cool verses, you know, they know how to choose the really good ones. And you'll say, this is really cool, but when you pick up the Bible, you think, man, I can't wait to find these kinds of verses. You turn to a passage like this, okay? You're going to turn to a passage exactly like that, all right? And you're going, it's going to say this. This is the number of the men of Israel who returned from exile. The family of Parash, 2,172. The family of Shephatiah, 372. The family of Ara, 652. Family of Moab, 2,818. The family of Elam, 1,254. The family of Zatu, 845. And you're going to look at that. And you're going to look at that. And finally, the only thing you're going to get out of that is to say, who names their kids that to anyway? <laughs> you know? Because you're going to say, that's it. You know, I knew it. I knew it. You know, I knew it. There it is. There it is. I told you. I can't get anything out of the Bible. I can't read this thing. You know? And it's great on Sunday morning. Pastor Paul can pull it out, or maybe my Bible study fellowship leader can pull it out, but I can't. You know, I can't because so much of it is completely incomprehensible to me. And it's kind of like making spinach smoothies. It's kind of a hassle. And therefore, I'm just going to simply wait until Sunday or Saturday night and come here to church. And that'll be the best I can do for for, for my life. Have any of you ever felt that way? Any of you ever felt that way in your life? You know, you just think, how in the world am I going to do this? You know, how can I get through this? So therefore, I'm just going to simply relegate myself to just kind of a little bit here. Or, or, you get really motivated, and you say, okay, I'm committed this time. I am going to start at Genesis, and I'm going to read it all the way through, okay? Have you ever done this one? You know, I'm going to go all the way through. This is it. I'm really serious about it. You know, for the nineteenth time, I'm really serious about it. This time, this is the year. And you read Genesis, and it's great—all the stories about Adam and Eve, and you know, and Cain and Abel, and Abraham, and 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 move through. And it's really great stories on this one. And then you get into Exodus, and and, and you make it through Exodus. The first part's great. The last part's kind of uh, a little hard on this one. Um, and and you're thinking, okay, great, two books down, 64 to go. You know, I can do this. I can I can do this. And then you get to Leviticus. And those of you that have gone to Leviticus are the ones that are laughing because all of a sudden you realize what the heck happened and what in the world is going on because all I'm now reading is about I you're not supposed to plant two different types of crops in the ground. What does that mean? And I'm not supposed to wear two types of fabric in the same garment. And it talks about all these skin diseases, you know? And what you're supposed to do about skin diseases and ceremonial cleansing. And if you do this kind of sin, it's going to be two doves. If you do this kind of sin, it's going to take a goat. If you do this kind of sin, you're dealing with a big ball here on this one. And you're thinking, what in the, and these dietary laws, I can eat this. If this has a cloven hoof, I can eat this one, but if it's not split up. If it doesn't chew the cud, I can't. But if it does chew the cud, I can't. You know, it's all these kinds of things that you're thinking, what, what is this all about? And what am I supposed to do with this one? And if by chance you serve Survive Leviticus, you now have what? Numbers. And Numbers is nothing but that. You know, the whole book is nothing but Numbers. It's a genius. It's, 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 it's all these rosters of names of people. And so what you do is you just simply say, I will quietly come and listen and realize I'm, I'm just not cut out for this. And so you leave it to the professionals. Ta-da, the professionals here. And the problem is with that is that you're robbing yourself and cheating yourself of so much, so much richness about God and getting to know him deeper and deeper and being able to trust God in your life. And the feelings that you feel or you felt maybe a few moments ago or maybe as in worship or the feelings you felt maybe through a, a message that just touched your heart deeply, you can have that daily. But you're, we leave it sometimes to only once a week at best. So how do I how do I how do I do this? And I really struggle with what to say because I thought I've got to make this sound eloquent and flowery and all that. And I'm you know the echoes of my preaching professors way back in seminary are coming to me, and he would kill me if if he knew this is the first point of my message. But you need the right resource, and here it is. First point. Ready for this one? You need a good study Bible okay you need it there you go a good study bible that is the most important thing i can tell you this morning you have to have a good tool in order to be able to get into the bible i know it's not profound hesitated to even go here i can't tell you how important it is and 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 i'm not i'm not sure we realize today how well we have it you know how well we have this thing. I told you a few weeks ago that I went down to Southern California and I was going through this library and I looked and they had one of the, they had one of the Gutenberg Bibles. Okay? Now if you know a little bit about publishing history and text history, the Gutenberg Bible was the first book that was ever printed with movable type. Okay? Meaning you could print a page and then you could move the type all around and print another one. And for the first time in history it made it possible to now mass produce books. Okay, the printed word was now available to everybody. Before that, it was what? Handwritten. And you know how long it takes to handwrite something, especially something like the Bible? And so now in the 1500s, all of a sudden, the Bible starts being printed. And, and for so long, it was printed only in Latin, and then they realized, wait a second. <laughs> you know, if it's only in Latin, people don't read Latin, let's start printing it in German, and let's start printing it in French and Italian. And, and English, and so they started printing it in the language of the common people. Finally, now do you understand 1500 was only 500 years ago? That means for three quarters of the church's history, the Bible was unavailable to the common person. Fifteen hundred, seventy-five percent of the church's history, people were not able to access the Bible, and we have it, and we have it in all kinds of different versions, and we have it in paperback we give them away you know we have the ability to read the word of god and what happened is over time they, they they started saying okay we're going to we're going to make it now not in in you know elizabethan english you know in the 1700 kinds of stuff we're going to make it in, in more modern language because a lot of times people said no it needs to be staying in kind of old holy language it's like why it wasn't written in holy language it was written in the very common vernacular of the people of the day so let's update it. And so what they did is they, 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 they have more modern translations. And then what they happened is, you know, there's a ver- well, there's a word here and, and you know, if somebody looks at that verse, it's really cool. There's another verse that's an awful lot like it. And so and you'll notice these in the margins sometimes of your Bibles, little tiny other Bible references, he'll say, This verse is like that verse and, and you can actually follow this verse to that verse. And it really helped people. And then what they just did decided is, you know, we really are getting kind of this archaeology stuff down and understanding more and more about the the, the languages and all that. And sometimes words might be a little bit hard, so why don't we take our study notes and why don't we put them down at the bottom? And thus, the study Bible was born. Okay? Now, I have here um, um, a study Bible. It's actually my son. My son has this one. And um, obviously you're saying, why do you have it? Your son doesn't. Because we got him another one, smaller one, okay? But this is why we have it. Notice how big it is. You know, it can kill people. You know, honestly, with this one, if I smack him on it. But the reason it's so big is because there's so much there's so much in it. And as a, as I open it up, as I look at it, as you can see, you probably can't. But there's there's a part here that that is the text, and down here are the footnotes. Because this is this is a book that's written to First Timothy and or to Timothy. And, 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 and there are some words here that I might not grasp or I might not understand. And it helps me understand this because Bible scholars who love Christ deeply understand what the words mean and they also understand the culture. And so you might be reading and you come to a place where it talks about the Feast of Booths and you think, what the heck is the Feast of Booths and why do I even need to care? Well, guess what? There's a footnote at the bottom. We'll talk all about the Feast of Booths and what it was and why it was so important to the Israelites and how Jesus celebrated it and how it actually points to Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden you'll be reading in numbers and you'll say, Feast of Booths, wow, there's something here for me. And they also put in here a little Bible encyclopedia and there's a bunch of maps and there's a mini theology there. And if you're wanting to kind of cross-reference a word, there's that, your ability to do that. It's really, really, really cool, the things that they have here. And and, and then so you, you you open it up and, and you'll see, man, there's timelines here because the Bible was written in history in time. And sometimes you'll need to know, well, who was the king? What was going on at that time? And you can see, wow, you know, at this point in time, Egypt was going through a, an incredibly difficult time and they were faltering. And therefore, Israel was able to do this and to do that and to do the other thing. Here's the book of Romans. This is a timeline of Romans. What's going on during that time? And then there's an introduction here. You see that? An introduction. And it'll talk about the book of Romans. What are the themes of that? Who wrote the book? What was going on during the time it was being written? Why'd they write it? What does it contain? What's it all about? So that when I open up the book of Romans, all of a sudden, I'm not blindly just grasping for meaning. I can go in it in very, very reasonable way and say, I think, I think I can understand it and I think I can get it. You go through the prophecies, you think, I don't know what this means. It can say, here's when this prophecy was fulfilled and you can look it up and you can read it. When I got a study Bible a bunch of years ago, it changed everything, everything for me. All of a sudden I could begin to understand certain things I'd never seen before and for the price of a tank of gas, you can have an incredible resource. Incredible resource for you. Let's take our crazy passage about Zazu. I mean Zatu. Okay, let's take this nutty passage that's, that's, that's up there. How in the heck am I supposed to make sense of this? How in the world will it make sense of a, of a verse like that? What do I do with it? Do I figure God kind of screwed up when he put it there? But all scripture is inspired by God. And it's suitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, ready for every good work. So obviously there's something there for it. Well, I noticed one thing. I noticed in the, it's in the book of Nehemiah. And, 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 and so what I will do is I'll go to the very beginning of the book of Nehemiah. Here in my study Bible, I'll start the beginning, and, and it will give me a timeline of what's going on at the time that Nehemiah wrote his book. And that's important for me because Israel had been exiled at that point in time. And that's an important thing for me to understand. And I might not understand the exile, but the introduction will tell me all about the exile, how important it was. You see, what happened was God had said this, you as a nation, Israel, if you obey me, I will bless you. If you disobey me, then there's going to be consequences. That's just the way it is. But because I love you so much, the consequences will never be permanent. Believe me, they will not be. And God said one of the consequences is going to be because the land is so important to you. You guys think the land is so important to you? If you disobey me, I will remove you from my land. I'll remove you from the land. You'll, you'll be away from the land for a period of time. But I will return. I will restore you when the time comes because I love you so much. And my love for you is everlasting and will never fail. So they've been taken to another country in Nehemiah he got actually gets so hurt that, that the land is being not taken care of that he asks the king to go back into the land, and he does. And he sees the Jerusalem as just being kind of a rubble heap. And what he does is he says, I'm going to build the walls and make this secure again, and God helps him build the walls. And so he builds the walls, and what happens is people begin to come back and populate the land. You see this? Each person coming back to God is not just a name with a number. Each person coming back is God fulfilling his promise. Do you see that? Every name there is God fulfilling his promise. So, Parosh, you're bringing in 2,172 people. That's God fulfilling his promise. God fulfilling his promise 2,172 times because he's a God- who fulfills his promise. And when I read that, I realize, you know what? That's my God. My God keeps his promises. And so is that too and all his buddies in Nehemiah 7 and all those names and all those numbers. Why are they here? They're here to tell you your God keeps his promises. You understand that? That I can walk away from that and say, my God is a God Will always keep his promises to me, out of a out of a passage, like that, because because I had help, good help to understand it the way it was meant to be understood. So part of this week that made it so miserable was uh, my pup, my dog. Um, he passed this week. He died. I had a dog. My my dog died. Yeah, and and it was it it was at home, and you know i was i was, was by his side, you know I knew his failing you know I knew his failing, and man it just it just eats your gut out you know ever ever lost ever lost a dog and um um I had a friend um he's a, he's a pastor as well, and i you know I told him i just you know kind of on the side, and, and you know he has a dog too he's really close to, and he said you know i you know i'm I'm convinced God's a god of love and and he said, "I'm sure dogs are going to be in heaven, you know." Godly, and I thought, oh, that's great." We talked about that for a while. Cats, we're not so sure about, but do- <laughs> dog, dog, dogs, dogs will be there. And 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 y- you, know, um, the, you know, the, the dogs laying there, and and, and 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 actually, the bed. I put them right by the bed in the extra room, you know. So I'm sleeping in the bed, and every so often he kind of, you know, whoop, you know, he's kind of falling into unconsciousness, but every so often he just kind of yip a little bit, and I'd reach down, scratch his head, and pat him, you know. And I'm laying there, and, and you know, and 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 he's breathing, he's breathing heavy, and his breathing was comforting to me, you know. And 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 then he he did one more little tiny yip, you know. And then I realized, oh, oh no, he he's not breathing now. And I put my hand, you know, on his on his chest, and I could feel his heart going beep, beep, bump, bump. And it's like. Oh. And um, you know, you you want to always be there when something you love, you know, goes. Be able to say, I felt his last beat of his heart. You know, what a privilege it is for that. And then you know, there's this initial sad. He was a good dog. You know, not real smart, but he was a really good <laughs> dog. You know. Great dog, great dog for our family, our kids. We had him as our kids grew up, you know. It's 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 the the passing of an era, the end of an era, you know, all those kinds of things. And 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 this happened, you know, in the middle of the night, one thirty in the morning, and 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 it's like okay, you know, and I you know, took care of what I could, and well, I I went to bed. And I can't sleep, you know. I I can't sleep. I just lost my dog, you know, and I'm all wired up, and so I I, I tried to settle down, you know, and couldn't, so I. I went in the living room trying to light and I, and I picked up I picked up this Bible this is the Bible that I had and and it was t- turned to that Nehemiah 7 passage because that I'd been looking at you know turned to that that very passage and you know I looked at it and I read it not to figure out how to pronounce the names, but to see God and understand He's a God who keeps promises. my God is faithful. And, and, and I remember this because cause a good study Bible, this one, this one does, has a concordance, and that's a weird word. Concordance is basically, you take a word and you can look up a concordance and it'll tell you pretty much all the places in the Bible where that, that word is used. And it's really helpful. So you want to look up the word um, faithful, because I wanted to see the faithfulness of God, just to see all the times it talks about the faithfulness of God. And so you look in your concordance, and it'll give you this verse. It says this: "I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this: the faithful love of the Lord never ends." So it's one forty-five. You know, my dogs passed, and I'm reading this, and I'm experiencing God. You know, I'm experiencing firsthand the love and the protection and the care, the faithfulness of God. What kind of a God is he that allows you to feel your dog's last breath? He didn't have to do that. Feel the last beat of his heart. He didn't have to do that, but he did. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. And therefore, see the term, I still dare to hope. Hear that concept? I dare to hope. Because a lot of times we think, man, if I hope, it's going to be disappointing. It's going to fall apart. I'm not going to hope anymore because all my hopes never ever come out. And what it's saying is because you've got a God like this, you can what? You can dare to hope. Dare you. God's saying, I dare you to hope. Because I'm faithful and I keep my promises and I'll come through every single time in my way. Like song we sang, it's only for a moment. Everything is working for your glory. Then it goes on, it says his mercies never cease, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning, each morning. He is faithful. So I dare to hope. By a good study Bible, it didn't print on your insert and I wish it, it did. And I'm going to just ask you to write something down if you're looking for a good study Bible. This one, it's my favorite and it's my recommendation. I'm not sure how popular it is. It's called the Ryrie Study Bible. And you're going to say, who in the world was Ryrie? Ryrie was a professor of theology at Dallas Seminary and he's a good guy. Okay, R-Y-R-I-E. Ryrie Study Bible. It's a great one to get NIV version. It's an easy one to read, okay? Or there's also just the NIV Study Bible. You can write that down, That's as well. But, but it's just, this one's great. I love this one because this is the one I cut my teeth on and I think it's, it's a phenomenal one. R-Y-R-I-E, Ryrie Study Bible. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. And, and what I say is if you're serious about cycling, if, you really want, if you're really serious about bicycling, get a good bike. You know, just get a good bike. A junk bike will break down. It won't shift right. It brakes will squeal and squeak. And, and, and you'll never get into it. If you're serious about tennis, buy a good racket. It makes all the difference in the world. If you're serious about cooking, buy a good set of knives and a good set of pots and pans. If you're really serious about it. A regular Bible. Um, why, why just get a regular Bible when you can get a whole library of stuff, everything you need for 50 bucks? It's right there. It's right there for it. So, so, there you go. second, second point. Um, the right response. you need the right response is what it's worth to me because you can have it, but if it doesn't do anything apart from sit there and look big, it's not going to do any good. A long time ago, I tore my knee. this was when I was in college. Um, I tore my knee cycling uh, up and down the california coast and 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 this was again college, so you know we're talking about surgeons still use flint knives, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and incantations. Anyway, I tore my knee, and, and, it, and it took them six months to figure out what was wrong with it, and, and this was when the days of arthroscopic surgery was just coming out. Arthroscopic surgery, they baked those little incisions in there, and so they didn't really know what your knee could do after they did it. And, and so, so what happened, and this is after I couldn't use my leg for six months, they, they actually did the surgery, but they wrapped my cast, uh, my, my leg from, from hip to toe, um, in a cast for six weeks, I okay. hadn't been using it for six months, and now it's completely immobile for, for, for six weeks. And, and they shaved my leg to do it, you know, and now my leg is starting to grow hair. How do you ladies do it? I have no idea because, you know, it's in a cast, and the hair's growing out. And I'm going, <laughs> you know, sweating everything I can down to, to itch it because it's just driving me absolutely nuts. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the cast came off, and I looked at my leg, and it was like, holy cow, it's the size of my arm. You know, this little stick thing is there <laughs> in my leg. And it's like, good night. And, and, and this is before the days really, physical therapy was really much of anything. And, and, and so I, I had to actually rehab it myself, you know. And, and so when your leg has, not been, has been immobile for six weeks, you know what it's like. It don't bend, you know. It doesn't bend. And so I'm trying to do some stuff. And he said, I want you to, I want you to bend it. I want you to bend it. And so, um, um, you know, I tried. I tried. But as you know, it What? It hurts. I mean, it hurts bad. And so after three weeks, it comes in, and he did his little measuring device, and, and he said, let's see how far you can bend it, and I could do it here. And then he says, okay, Paul, I need you to sit down for a second. And, and, and he asked me, he said, are you working out? I said, well, it hurts. And he said, well, are you bending it? And I said, what?
1: It hurts.
0: You know, it hurts. He sits me down, and he, and he asks me three questions. Number one, he said, do you ever want to run again? I said, yes. He said, do you ever want to cycle again? I said, yes. And the third question is, what's it worth to you? What's it worth to you? That question drives me, by the way, in all of my life. What's it worth to you? What's it worth to you? What is knowing Christ worth to me? What is experiencing God daily, weekly worth to me? You make time for what's important. You make time for what's important. And so Joshua says, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. You make time for what's important. You tell me what you did yesterday, and I'll tell you what's important to you. So when we say, I just don't have time to connect with God through this, you just told me what? What's important. Guys, given this incredible, incredible tool to make this thing readable. Olympics have started. Ta-da! You know, all these kind of trumpets and this kind of stuff going on. And, and and I was watching the other day, and I saw some snowboarders, and I was reminded of my lone snowboard experience. Do any of you snowboard? Any of you snowboard people here? Why? Why? <laughs> you know, why do you do that to, your, to yourself? And I, I ski, you know. At least I skied, you know. At least what they... Call skiing, I've used skis and I've learned. And I wasn't that bad of a skier, not particularly good, but my boys, when they were younger, they wanted to go to the snow, we don't go to the snow very much here, but they wanted to go and they wanted to learn snowboarding because they wanted to be cool because snowboarders look a lot cooler than skiers, at least back then, okay? So they wanted to learn snowboarding, and I thought, yeah, you know, I'm their dad, and you know, I'm okay, I'm fairly athletic, and if my boys are gonna learn snowboarding, I'm going to learn snowboarding, okay? What the heck? How much harder can it be? And I'm pretty confident as we're driving up there with, you know, and we're getting, and we're getting close to, to the to this, to this ski place. My, my wife said, you know, wow, that would be hard having both feet strapped to one board. And I was fine until she said that statement <laughs> because I started thinking both feet strapped to one board, you know, one board. I don't have independent use of my feet any, anymore, and so now I'm a little bit nervous about the whole deal, and, and we get to our lesson, and we met our instructor, okay? Never trust somebody over 40 who says righteous, okay? Never trust that kind of a person. Don't trust them, and if they call you dude, really don't trust them, Okay? So our, our instructor was over 40 and he used the word dude a lot and the word righteous a whole lot. And anyway, he said he starts down and and he said, "Let's go, let let us <clears throat> go, da- let's go." And I said, "Well, how do you how do you how do you turn?" You know, because that's kind of an important part of this whole thing. And he he just said, "Dude." <laughs> and I'm just thinking, he really called me dude. And then this is what honestly he said. He said this. And I quote, he said, "Dude." You have to become one with a mountain. <laughs> with those technical instructions in mind, <laughs> locked firmly in my brain, and my board locked firmly to my feet, we took the chairlift up. Okay? And for some reason, the only way I was ever going to become one with a mountain was to somehow slam my face as hard as possible into the mountain. I became one with a mountain <laughs> 19 times before I got down to the bottom of the mountain. And the last time I fell, I heard the tailing sound of my instructor watching me saying, Righteous dude! Righteous <laughs> dude! And I can joke about becoming one with a mountain thing. Those of you that are good at skiing and good at snowboarding or good at skateboarding, you, you get it. You understand it. You know the feel. You know that when you're feeling good about this and you understand just a little bit, just a little bit, you see the contour of the mountain and you adjust to it. And you move with it. There's a little bit of a learning curve. Once you get over it, it's incredible. With this thing, it's the same way. A little bit of a learning curve. But man, once you get that, it is downhill all the way. There's a dynamic interaction between God and you when you do. I know. At 2 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, I had an experience with God. An experience with God because of this because of this. God's word speaks. Let him speak t- to you into your spirit. Worship team, would you guys come on up, please? I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Father God, thank you for this day and thank you for what you've given and thank you for the word that we have. And I would pray, God, God, that as we open the Bible, your Holy Spirit would guide us to what to turn to. If people invest in something, a tool and a resource, they would feel your presence, not just in buying it, but also in reading it, interacting with you. And thank you for your forever indelible love for us. It's so revealed. God, this week ahead of us, thank you that we have it and help us to live lives for you and in you. Give us opportunities to talk to somebody about our faith we thank you so much in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, a uh, couple instructions. Um, um, next week, in- and we don't know what the parking's going to be like, okay? It may be the same system as is going on today. Thank you, those of you that parked in the satellite lot. Um, your limousine, it's a beautiful thing, is right out there. So um, um, they're ready to go and take for you. We will have food service on it next week. So, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this one. So, um, Um, We're going to need help with some parking, some parking attendants. If you'd like to help in that way, thank you for doing that. That would be just a great way to serve. God bless you guys. Let's all stand together. We're going to finish with the final song.